in addition to taking care of one another inside the church, what if we developed a lifestyle taking care of the most needy outside the walls of the church? How would that change the community and our city? Bob Moffat, president and founder of Harvest Foundation in Phoenix, along with Pastor Julian Gibb, talk with pastors and leaders about how sacrificial love by those in the church to those in need outside the church has helped people see and embrace Jesus Christ. It's that demonstration of Jesus' greatest commandment that we'll hear more about today on The Kingdom and Its Stories. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are around the world. It's great to have you join us here today. And today I'm blessed to have Thomas. Thomas, who uh, I uh, sort of bumped into, really, when I was visiting C3, an organization uh, at um, at the ASU campus. And uh, Thomas and I started talking, and uh, I was blown away by what he was doing. Thomas is also joined by Thomas V. Say hello, Thomas. Want to say hi? hi. There, there you go. <laughs> He's waiting, but he did say hi. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. And so uh, it, this is a that's actually a point I'll come back to um, because uh, Thomas, I hear that you know you are uh, Thomas the fourth. Is that correct? And this is Thomas the fifth. Yes, that's correct. My name is Thomas Clayman the fourth, and my wife and I we have three children. Um, our oldest daughter, her name is Wisdom. Rose Claiborne, and then our middle child, his, our first son, his name is actually Cyrus Vincent Claiborne, and then our second son, we named Thomas Claiborne V. Because I know for you, there's a there's something which we'll come back to, but there's something very important to you about passing on to future generations, about uh, improving uh, this this generation, educating this generation to improve those that come after us. But we'll we'll come back to that because I'll let I'll let I won't put words into your mouth. I'll let you speak. <laughs> Excellent. No, I'd love to. But anyway, so Th- Thomas and I were chatting away, and uh, Thomas told me about um, this project that he's working with. Um, so, yeah, Thomas, tell us a little bit more about the twenty fourth uh, Street and uh, Baseline. You know, uh, first of all, where is it? What is it and how have you got involved? Yeah, so 24th Street and Broadway is out in Phoenix, Arizona. It's actually an area where there's been a lot of, it just has a, a, a long, deep history. It has a rich heritage of culture and art, but then it also has a lot of negative um negative things that have happened to this environment, like the red lining and um, um poverty. Uh, it's very high on the mortality rate. It's very high on a lot of, like pretty much any statistics that you can find across America, this zip code, this area will probably be one of the worst um, across the entire country um, for it. So, and it's, it's right outside of uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Well, right in Phoenix, Arizona. They call it South Phoenix. So, um, wow. So, so did you say across the country, one of the worst in the country? for for certain uh yes like when we think about like education um when the things in education the infant um is it i'm not even sure i'm saying probably infant mortality rate so deaths of infants is very very high in this zip code uniquely wow and so 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 give us um give us some history with this because uh uh doing a bit of background research i'm led to believe that there was a project 
sometime in the past to to seek to uh to to improve this area to 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 improve the community and the facilities that are available to the people who who are there but but it came to nothing and so so give us a bit about bit about that background and then also uh why you are uh brushing brushing the dust off those plans and why are you why you're seeking to resurrect it Sure. So one of the things I think really unique to this area is that there is this four corner, they call it the four corners project. And it's been a project that the city of Phoenix, uh, they actually purchased the lots and land because there was so much violence and so much, uh, so many different uh, negative things, drug use and abuse and domestic violence and homicides all happening in that area. And there was like some restaurants and some, um, small uh, grocery stores that are utilized. So the city actually purchased the land and they tore down what was there um, with the intentions of eventually building something up. But after they had everything in place uh, to kind of move forward with the project, they actually end up moving that project down about 10 blocks, um, probably about a three mile radius down the road that kind of separated from this area. And they end up never coming back to developing Daddy. this part of the community. No. So Stop. that is kind of what it's been. So when I moved here, it's pretty much been sitting dormant for almost the last 50 years. Wow. That's right, Thomas V. It is bad news. You're right. So there was, uh, so there was this uh, plan to um, rejuvenate this, this area. And uh, for whatever reasons, uh, political, financial, uh you know whatever it, it it never took off and so you still got the result is that you've got this area still with many um many many problems within it and uh along comes thomas thomas the fourth that is and um or maybe thomas the fifth but uh and um and you see these plans and you see the needs within this area and uh you decided that you were gonna going to um see if God was calling you to to run with it and to to resurrect it. Yeah, it's kind of just been like a natural um, feel for me, a little bit about my backdrop in history. The reason why I moved to Phoenix is that my wife and I, we moved with a team here before we had any children. We moved out here with a team to help plant a church and to start a church. And after about five years into it, the fifth year anniversary, we decided to transition off of staff there to really focus on the community that we lived on to kind of really be able to drill down in serving the community. Um, One of the philosophies that I really live by is I think, you know, as church planners, we can come with a empire building philosophy or or embeddedness um, philosophy, ideology, Mm. mindset. Mm. And um, I think, for me, I bend more towards the embeddedness because I think that is the way that Jesus modeled it for us of kind of really being able to, you know, be in a walking distance, square distance viewpoint. So that's kind of how we've functioned moving here. And then as I got into this community, we ended up buying a house in this community. And as we purchased our house, the more and more I got um, rooted into learning the history of it, is kind of giving me more insight on how I can better serve the community here. That's great. You know, cause it's like with, uh, you know, Jesus, you know, it's about uh, reading in John, how he, he dwelt, he came down and, and dwelt with us, you know, which is I'm told means like he put up his tent, literally. It means he tabernacled. He, he put up his tent and lived with us. And so, 
uh, not that I'm equating you to Jesus Christ, but uh, you know, you um, you you are, are his follower and seeking to do his will. And so, you moved. You and your family moved into this area uh, in order to find ways to to serve the people, the people that are there. And so, how are you serving them? How are you bringing? uh um sort of a resurrection to this community that's too strong of a word how how are you bringing uh, energy and life to this um to this community well i think one of the main things is just focusing on serving because serving is excuse me and and being a father in my community hey well there you go that's the first one i mean sure you know you start start raising the kids for the uh next generation building them up that's my number one job i would Good say for you. it's really just i work with an organization called uh championship fathering and so that's my number one focus is just loving coaching and modeling for my children um but enough, enough said radio <laughs> show over thanks for listening <laughs> <laughs> but uh sing carry on but yeah i think specifically here on 24th and broadway really what it is is um Again, the idea that was dropped in my head is like, they don't need another church. Like, we don't need another building. We don't need another organization. Because even within this one mile radius, I've already counted up to 15 churches right there in this one mile radius. You know, small to mid-sized churches. Some of, a lot of them are like celebrating their 75th year anniversary. Mm. What I notice is that there's no bridge connecting them so that to me i think is the best way that i'm able to come in and serve this community is helping to help us move forward with a collective faith and and helping to bridge those gaps because it just for whatever reason whatever the backdrop is the different denominations the different church splits the different intentions or different missions there hasn't been a a space where they've been able to get on the same page and really be able to serve the community collectively and that's kind of been the best way that i think i've been able to come in and serve it's just being that backbone organization that focuses on reconciliation and making connections and not trying to start my own thing wow you know amen so you know, as, as I think you were saying yesterday, you know, your your role is to seek, as as you just said, excuse me, was to, it's not necessarily to go in and put up a building, but to galvanize the community, to bring to bring unity, to utilize what's already there. You know, as you said, you got 13, 15 churches, uh, you know, good people, but all doing their own thing. So, so about bringing transformation within the community is is bringing people together to work together. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, I'll give examples like there's not bad, like a lot of the churches, they don't even, it's not that they don't like each other or there's a lot, there's not even like there's conflict between them. They just haven't learned the art and skill on how to work together. But I think every organization has a, um, a different vision, mission and values that they're, they're pretty much mandated to live out and to pursue because that's the conviction that God has placed on their heart. So what that becomes challenging is now when I have this vision and I have this mission and I have this, these values that we're trying to enforce and to replicate and make disciples for, um, and I have this strong conviction for it, it makes it really hard to coordinate with other organizations that have a different unique vision, mission, and values in how they're connected. We're all called to make disciples, but there's also different nuances that kind of tie those together. So for me, 
helping these churches, these pastors. Okay. Um, oh, the example that I had was that there's a few uh, pastors on, there's one corner specifically within this one mile radius where there's three churches on the three corners, all different names, different titles. And I actually met a woman who she grew up in one of the churches. She's a 75-year-old woman. And then now she attends the other church that's on the other corner. And I don't know the exact history and the backdrop on how that happened, um, but those churches don't work together. So what we're, I, we had the conversation yesterday is figuring out how we can figure out how to do a block party right there on those three corners to get all of them outside of the four walls of their church onto the street. And then we can start having dialogue on how we can better serve the community. Well, man, you know, because it's, what is it? Satan's ploys to divide and conquer, you know, isn't it? And so, exactly. you know, uh, uh, so really, <clears throat> excuse me. And so you're, you're bringing everyone together, you know, and, I, and, I, and I'm sure it's not like all kumbayas and everyone sees eye to eye, you know, and, but there's this, there's this, uh, you know, praying for you that, bringing everyone together <clears throat> so that together you can use the gifts and the abilities that each one has uh, for the betterment of the, of the whole. And so, 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 so tell me, you know, how you're bringing everyone together to, to discuss, you know, to, 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 to generate that community. Um, and then what are your plans from that? Are, are you, uh, we, this is a good plan, but are you sort of, uh, laying the tracks as you go along or you know what once you brought everyone together then what i think the again the first step bringing them together and um and then the next is, is listening and it's um everyone learning before we can actually love on the community and love serving um love the residents of the community mm. you have to listen to them um, so our first step is really to figure out how we as social responsible organizations, because it's not just churches, also there's nonprofits and there's also businesses. In yeah. there too. So how can we all collectively listen to the community as we're thinking through how we're best going to love the community? Oh, and, and then through that, I think we'll be able to develop what I call is like a one pager. Um, which I mean, it's a, but it's a document that we'll all be able to yield to with the community's feedback, and that will kind of instruct us on how do we all follow this plan, and then how do we all contribute because we all have a unique impact that we can make. Wow! So there's there, there's a novel thought: listen to one another, uh, understand one another, and then love one another. Well, there's a, exactly. there you go. Now I've written that down. I'm impressed, and so um, and so you know you you guys come together and uh, can you give examples of how I know this is a, a very embryonic um, movement. You know, it's something that sort of uh, was planned 50 years ago and sat on a shelf, you know, uh, gathering dust. And so so it, this is a big undertaking, bringing one of the most uh, disadvantaged areas in the United States of America. Uh, uh, situation where there are many problems you know bringing them together uh in order to um in order to for that community itself to overcome its problems uh and so can you give examples of how um you know you have come together and and the progress that you have made absolutely so one of the churches uh that's um in this one mile radius is called first pentecostal church 
And um, there's actually another church and organizations across town. This organization is called Mentor Kids. They've, um, their focus is what they call promise communities. And they selected this area as a promise community. Um, that was actually a government mandate that kind of went out, I think about in 2009, 2008, where there was this big push for a lot of promise communities. It kind of, you know, it's kind of one of those things with one administration starting it, but then it kind of like fizzled out. But this organization kind of picked up that and decided to carry that and running it on. And what they focus on is academics, um, leadership, and spiritual development. That's what this um, nonprofit organization focuses on. And they partnered up with the church, First Pentecostal Church, that's in the area. And they worked together to put together, to um, raise funds, and they developed what a community playground, which they call God's Garden. So God's garden is right in our God's, well, within the community playground, they have a garden in there that they call God's garden. And they're partnering with that to figure out how we can help the community members utilize this garden um, for gardening, again, getting us outside of the church, getting us outside of our homes, and then how do we galvanize that park? So those, I think, are two organizations that have really started working together and i mean that was it was a lot of money that needed to be raised for that i was a lot of work to put towards that <laughs> they did a asset based value based um surveys for the community to really get the community's input so that was started before i even moved here mm-hmm. um so that's something that we but when i moved here the first two years it had a big gate around it because they can't open up because it was vandalized throughout the community so one of my things is was plugging in as a new resident living in the community, um, getting other residents that can, you know, be equipped to receive the keys, um, be able to open it up in the morning, open it up at night, and, you know, I mean, close it at night. So then that way we're all taking responsibility. So now we have church, we have community members, and we have this nonprofit all participating on this one space. But that's a lot of organization. It's a lot of effort put forth. So that's one example that I think has been it's still in progress, but I think it's a really good example. That is, you know, so, so it's really community together. I'm putting words into your mouth to so correct me, but it, it's a community coming together to identify its needs and creative ways of overcoming them. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, you have uh, uh, play areas and uh, you know, the, the churches and, and garden, God's garden, uh, and all these things coming together. So it's this, is it this sort of, um, you, you find a project, you find people to to be involved and then, and then you move on to the next, is that, and, and slowly rejuvenate this area? Yeah. So really, again, with that one pager is really just helping us get one calendar, like for the whole area, just so people can know what's going on and what events are going on and how they can attend and support one another. Um, and then also be able to know how for community members, what needs they need to be fulfilled. Cause just the people who are really out there serving and doing well, probably aren't the best marketers. <laughs> so with that, a lot of the community members don't even know what's accessible to them. Mm-hmm. So that's another one of my projects, just a simple Google calendar, just getting that on there. So then we can start posting things on there. And then we have a link that we can share within the community no organization really has the time um, to put forth that effort because they're focused on their events. 
Um, so that's one simple thing that I've tried to utilize and get us together. I'm also the president of our neighborhood association. So that ties in our block watch, which ties in safety. And that also ties in um, just kind of the, the areas that we work with the city department and how they contribute to um, supporting this community as well, too. You're listening to The Kingdom and Its Stories. And today we're, uh, we're blessed to have uh, um, Thomas with us. And Thomas is uh, bringing or rather the Lord is bringing uh, rejuvenation to uh, a, a challenged community in Phoenix, uh, an area with, um, with many needs and, and, and many problems. And, yet, you know, so, so uh, Thomas, I mean, uh, you know, here's, I'm play, playing devil's advocate. Why, why are you doing this? You know, you're, um, you're a young man. Uh, you know, you went to Howard University, uh you know i got i got that wrong earlier you went to howard university you know you're, you're you're educated um you know i've been reading your wife's blog as well you know you you, you you've got everything going you've got three great kids um you know what is it that motivates you to uh move to um uh your words a disadvantaged part of the um of the city and uh, seek to take on such a difficult task. You know, th- th- this isn't just a walk in the park. You know, this is dealing with some of the very deep, uh, troubling issues that face um, face our city. What motivates you to do this? I want to correct my language. Uh, I know I said disadvantage earlier, but um, I think someone corrected me a few weeks ago that okay. uh, a softer way of communicating that is, is an underserved community. Excuse me. Um, so that's kind of how I've, I've, I mean, that's new to me. So I've, I probably did say disadvantage. So I did want to start correcting myself on just underserved. Got it. Um, and what really motivates me is, again, my name being Thomas Clayman IV, um, I really have been blessed uh, with, I mean, Thomas Claiborne the third, uh, my father and Thomas Claiborne Jr., my grandfather, Thomas Claiborne Sr., who I have, I did not have the opportunity to meet on this earth, um, who is one of my uh, ancestors now, but the example and the models that they display for me, um, I really uh, can say that it's really just within my DNA, um, a little bit about my history uh, that I've been working on trying to, you know, understand better my heritage and, and my history. I found this uh, family reunion book that traces my family back to the 1830s in Sussex, Virginia, and traces it all the way back down to really our family was found on the end of uh, an Indian reservation, was captured by uh, a, a, a white family that put our family into slavery and then um, indentured servant to, to actually owning land to Thomas Claiborne Sr. leaving Virginia to move up to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where I was raised. And then in continuation to that, I found him with a picture at the, um, with a picture at his church with the founding and the and being embedded into the community of them actually planning a church in the community and that's where I was raised and blessed with to grow up and as a beneficiary of so for me it's an opportunity to be able to pay it forward and to be able to help serve this area that I'm in um the way that I was able to be served from the communities around me wow so uh I'm uh, I'm stealing words from you but 
you're living your legacy. That's absolutely true. Living your legacy for uh, for uh, Thomas V, who's who's climbing behind you, and so. I mean, that, 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 that's it, isn't it? You know, but there's always this thing about leaving, um, leaving a legacy afterwards, you know, and often that's like a, you know, sort of like a book or a statue or a building named after us, you know, it's kind of like, no, 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 it's that the legacy comes from the life that's led now. And so uh, what would you say? We have, we have one minute left, so it's going to be quick, but what would you say to someone or me who's listening and thinking like, you know, uh, I wouldn't know where to start. You know, what, 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 how do I live my legacy? All right, this is this is a silly question to ask with thirty seconds, but in a nutshell, what would you say to someone who's uh, hesitant on living out their legacy? I would use this is advice was given to me um, from Moses. Uh, the first question when he says that I can't do it, the question proposed to him was, "What is in your hand?" And the staff is what was in his hand, and that's what he utilized for that. So if you reflect on yourself, I think you can reflect on what has God given you as a tool, and then God can utilize that tool through you. Mm. Um, so what is in your hand will be able to start and just start surfing right where you're at. I have nothing more to add. Thomas, thank you for joining us here today. Thank you so much for having me. God bless you all. Jesus defines discipleship as come and follow me. Next Monday at 5.30 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360, we'll hear another testimonial from a leader demonstrating how they and the people of the church are sacrificially loving the needy and beginning to see real change in their communities. If you have a personal example of how you are being the hands and feet of Jesus with your neighbors, we'd love to hear from you. Enter your story at harvestfoundation.org. That's harvestfoundation.org on the Contact Us tab. You can also subscribe to the podcast on The Kingdom and Its Stories on Apple Podcasts and Spotify.